0: Give me warp in the factor of 5678.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are going to be talking about Star Trek Picard No Win Scenario, which is the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with the returning guest, Larry Irby. How you doing, man? Doing great. Glad to have you on again, sir. Great to be here. And also returning with us this week is none other than Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man?
0: I am good, man. I am good. Sorry I missed everybody last week. And I surely chose a great episode to miss. Well, no, not. <laughs> it was a great episode. It was terrible. I missed it. So especially me of all people. But anyway, I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk about it with you guys. Uh, i glad to have Larry on with us. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts as well.
1: And also on the podcast, we have Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, dude?
2: I'm doing great. I, too, am just so tickled to be back after all this time.
1: Yeah, man, we're glad to have you back. It's been a minute, right?
2: It's It's been a... Life has been kind of crazy here lately, so it's been, it's been a minute. Yeah.
1: So if you're new to the podcast or just somehow happened upon our stream, I want to say thank you for being here. I want to start off with some news.
0: Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel to
1: all next And in the news, I didn't watch the Oscars, but I heard that <laughs> Michelle Yo came away with best actress for everything, everywhere, all at once. Trek alum. Of course, she's done other things that are, you know, <laughs>
3: just as exciting. But how do we feel about that? I'm absolutely thrilled. Love this woman. Have been an admirer of hers for a long time. That's why when I heard she was going to be on Discovery, I was just so blown away. I don't want to do spoilers for Discovery. But then they freaked me out. And then they did the about fake. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because
2: <laughs> she's there
3: and then she's not there and then she's back. Yeah, But I was thrilled for her. I actually saw the movie. I was blown away. I will tell you, if uh, you are not in the super meta things, some people did not get it. I walked out of there saying, yeah, this is the best movie I've seen all year. Has everyone
1: on the panel seen that movie? Because I would like to admit a bit of shame here. I have not seen it, unfortunately.
0: I'll say this. I haven't seen it. I did watch a trailer and... I guess I just wasn't into it. and I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but I'm just not into that type. And maybe it's different from what I saw in the trailer, but it just, I don't know. It was it was too, too, too,
1: too out there for me. Wait, John, are you telling me you're not into the multiverse? Is that what you're saying? It is not your thing? Yeah, if it's MCU. But no, I, I don't know. I just,
0: I i, I don't know. I just, I'm weird with the movies like that. And I'm assuming, you know, it's. I don't know. I'm just, I'm a classic guy. Like I just like a regular good movie. Oh <laughs> I don't boy. know how to explain it, but I'll, I'll say something else on the subject. So I am overjoyed that she did win this Oscar. I think that she works very hard. She does a great job in everything that I've seen her in. So definitely, definitely congratulations to her. But I also have to add, I too did not watch the Oscars. And I haven't really much in the past few years. Now it just so happened, I was watching at the time the slap around the world. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I did see that part, but here's my gripe about the Oscars. And again, I don't want to take anything away from people that has won, but I, and I was listening to a podcast today and a guy said something. He said, well, tell me what, what movie won last year? Do you know that answer? Mm, I do not. Even the people that watch it. Like, unless they're just diehard, you never. Yeah. I'm saying all that to say, in my opinion, a lot of times I think the movies are
1: chosen for. Are you saying awards are stupid, John? Is that what Not
0: stupid. Saying? Not stupid. I just, I don't know. I feel like these, I've never heard of most of these movies they're giving awards to. And neither are most people that I well, associate with.
1: Well, that's part of the thing. You hear these, hear about these movies and you want to go out and watch them because they are getting all this critical yes, praise. Yes, but
0: you can't say it's the best film of the year if not most people hadn't heard of it. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> specifically <laughs> this movie. Not
1: most popular. That's two totally different things now, John. Let's get that right.
0: Okay, but if it's the best movie, it also needs to be the most popular.
1: No, those are not synonymous, John. I'm, I hate to tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I digress. So like I said, I, didn't, I wasn't planning on getting into all of this. <laughs>
1: No, so, air it out. Air it out. Because, I mean, ultimately, I want to get into, does this mean we won't see Michelle Yeoh back in Star Trek?
0: I hope so. I do hope so. You think uh, there's
1: a chance of that? This Section 31 thing they've been talking about? Is there a chance? An uh, inkling? Yes. I don't see why we couldn't.
0: And just to have a good fight scene. Her and <laughs> Worf going at it together. That would be
1: awesome. <laughs> oh, hope springs eternal, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she. I think she will make another appearance because... I think she had such a huge fanfare in Discovery. Mm. Uh, and like our friend Larry, you know, he's psyched overseeing her in Discovery. And I think and he was a fan before she beca- came on Discovery. So, I mean, you have diehard Trekkies that fell in love with her and they maybe not even knew her. And then you have mm-hmm. people that knew her previously that probably come to Star Trek and love Trek because of her. And then all that in between. I think it's a win-win for the production, for Paramount, for the fans. Why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially now that we know she's done with this other movie. Now I don't know if she's starting another.
1: She she's gonna get a lot of work. Let's just believe that. Yes. <laughs> but uh we also have a comment from from Tasha that says, you know, she wants that war for Jojo <laughs> fight, which I'm all for myself. Guys, if you wanna if you're listening and you wanna jump in to this chat, you can check us out on all our outlets. Uh, We're streaming all of these live and we would love you having the chat room to converse with us as we talk about this episode. Guys, you have any other news, track related or not, that you want to talk about real quick before we get into
3: the review? I will say one thing, Clarence, something that you and I watched last week and we can discuss this after stream. The Last of Us.
1: I haven't seen the
3: finale yet. Oh,
1: dude, come on. I didn't have time to watch yesterday. I did go and watch Creed yesterday, though. Was it Good. Good movie, man. Good movie. I loved it. You know, it's it's you get to see people knocking each other other out for the guys and the ladies get the eye candy. So, you know, it's a win-win for everybody.
0: <laughs> I do want to watch Last of Us. I've heard more than a handful of people tell me it was good. I've been stuck on this, I don't know why I'm stuck on it. The Other Other Side of the Tracks. Mm. I don't know if you heard about that. It's it's a weird. It's a like a Spanish movie. And Mm. you can tell all the actors are speaking Spanish and they just kind of dubbed English audio over it. So, Mm. you know, it's kind of the lip sync is off. And I don't know why I keep watching it, but I can't stop.
1: Mm. And what's that again? Other side of the tracks. Mm. Across the tracks.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. With that,
1: we are going to go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Picard No Win Scenario which was written by Terry Matalis and Sean Tredda and it was directed by Jonathan Frakes. With time running out, Picard, Riker, and crew must confront the sins of their past and heal flesh wounds, while the Titan, dead in the water, drifts helplessly toward certain destruction with a mysterious space anomaly. If you have not seen this episode, go out, watch it, come back, because from this moment forward, Spoilers.
3: Spoilers. Red alert! All hands, stand the battle station. I give you the right. You cannot destroy. an I'm At ease before you sprain something.
1: The spoiler warning has been dropped, and we are back to talk about this episode. No beats from Mr. Jones this week, but we will go around the horn like we usually do and get our high-level opinions of the episode. Larry, let's start with you. What did you think of No Win Scenario?
3: I thought it was really good. I thought it, um, for me, in a way, they walked back a little bit of the over the top from last week. Uh, Not to say, like I said, last week was one of my favorite episodes they've ever done of Picard. But um, I like at the end, you know, just how Riker basically came in and said to Jean-Luc, like, look, man, you were right. I'm dealing with some stuff, you know, everything that happened. And the, the fact that you know that these two men, and you know, what you can say about Jonathan and Patrick is they have literally known each other this long in real life and are dear friends. And that really comes across because when he comes to, you know, Riker comes to Picard, you can tell that's a friend saying, "Oh, man, I was wrong. I was wrong. I shouldn't have, went off like that and you know you just felt it you just really felt that he was kind of like hey i'm sorry yeah but not too sorry
1: mm-hmm. mm jeremy what do you what did you what's your high level opinion this episode man
2: i love this episode it was like watching a movie it was really self-contained didn't have any b plot to worry about you just had this whole hour of this event going on and i loved every minute of it it was great it was the second best episode this season.
1: Mr. Shorts, what is your high level opinion of the episode, man? Um, I did. I did like this
0: episode. And to be honest, when Jeremy was telling us his high level views, he said something that kind of made me almost dislike this episode a little bit. But because of that, it makes me like it more. So let me be let me explain. When he said there was no B plot, it was self-contained. Once he said that, I was like, wait a minute. I didn't get to see Worf in this episode. Mm. That kind of disappointed me. But then it says this was actually good enough that I never even thought about that. Mm. So kudos to them. So that that's one thing. Number two, I just thought the one liners in this were awesome in this episode.
1: Yeah. And as for me, I mean, this episode felt like an episode all about dealing with loss. I mean, for Riker, the loss of Thaddeus, Picard, the loss of his chance to be a father to Jack growing up, Shaw's loss at the hands of Lacutus of Borg. It was, it was episode very much in the first half of it about dealing with loss to where we eventually pivot into us trying to figure out this no-win scenario. Well, I guess I could start with this because it's something that really threw me off. Riker giving up so quickly while they were falling uh, or getting pulled into this gravity well or this nebula. Larry, did Riker? Is this the Riker you know, giving up so quickly to kind of say we're just dead in the water? There's nothing we can do. We, you know, we just have to write our letters to our loved ones,
3: <laughs> make peace. <laughs> is this our Riker? I think it is. I think that it's an older Riker. I mean, this is the beauty of this show: is we get to see these characters twenty-two, twenty-three years on, and they've changed. I mean, they've gone through. I mean, he went through losing a child. I mean, mm. that, that that's something that will change you. That's why he's probably hesitant a little bit more than he has been in the past. So I think, yeah, I think he's been scarred. And I think, you know, he had to be reminded a little bit by Picard. Hey, man, let's do what we do best. And I like that little bit. I love that with him and Beverly. Yeah, that cockiness. Hey, we were the best. Let's, let's do this. We've done this many you times because they know they have. And I mean, you would, I would want you to say that to me if we were in that situation. Come on, man. You know, we got this. But yeah, I just, I just, I really felt that this Riker has is, is been through. And plus, somebody touched on something uh one of the um, breakdowns. I think it was uh, Ryan Airy.
1: Mm hmm.
3: Touched on something is that remember since we last saw him, he was on Nepente, he yep. and Deanna, and uh, the Kestra. Now, since then, the synth band has been list lifted, right? Mm. So he's going, Okay, so all this stuff has been lifted. So my son died really for no reason
1: because
3: mm. it was never. It was the Romulans the whole time. It was never that the sense went rogue mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. So that's probably weighing on him a little. That might just be me, but that was a good, a pretty good point.
0: I have to agree with Larry on that as well. But, I mean, agreeing to all of that and still frustratingly like, come on, Riker, you know, Like, and I get it and I get and, you know, I wasn't thinking about the synth man being taken away like they're no longer a synth man. So I get why he's upset. I get why he's emotional. I get why. And then I think just inevitably, as we age, we tend to be more careful anyway. But I mean, we've gone through years and years of Riker being the former away team and he's just off. He doesn't care whether the planet's on fire. He doesn't care if they're killing everybody on it. He's going to take Data, Geordi and Worf. And go, he's going to be the brave guy. Like it's usually Picard, the one that was kind of telling him, well, let's step back and think about this. Let's, you know, and they kind of reversed roles, which I did like to see. I don't know if I say I liked it. It almost got to be too much. Like I was wondering when was that Riker going to come back at some point? We knew it had to happen and they almost pushed it out too far for me
1: just to see that he had this had been weighing him down for so long. And of course, if you lose a child, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to get over it, but it's gotten to the point where it's disrupting his relationship with the rest of his family. And, you know, it's just a weird seeing him write that, that last letter to, to Deanna as you know, they were sinking down. So yeah, but glad he bounced back from that.
2: Well, I've never watched the next generation like y'all did. I don't know Riker like y'all do, but this doesn't seem like the Riker that I know very briefly. It's like I was telling Jonathan, you know, we're talking about the last episode, which was my favorite, by the way, so far. I've never seen a captain look so lost as Riker did right there at the end. Mm. Like completely, utterly just lost with no sense of what can I do next.
1: This is the end, my friend.
2: Right. Well, it's, it's, it, it, He didn't even seem to that this was the end. He just like didn't just they just stopped.
0: Hey, wasn't that uh, Q's
1: line in last season? It, it, it felt very close. It felt very close to Q's line. Is that what did Q say? I don't remember. It. it I, I can't remember the, ve- the exact verbiage, but it was something very close to that. Like yeah.
0: for a split moment, I was expecting to see Q
2: pop in.
1: Oh, Lord, please don't. I don't want to see Q. <laughs> I whatsoever.
0: didn't either. But <laughs> let,
2: let, let Q be, be gone.
3: That was almost too on the nose, you know? I was going to say what Jonathan said was I agree that the whole thing of us exploring Riker... They did stretch it out a tad too long, and then it was kind of like i I thought well that was a quick run we can't do it there's no way <laughs> we can't do it there is no way we can do it ah oh, man y'all right, let's do this
1: all like, right like this is the, you you really mean there's no
3: way there's <laughs> no way yeah, okay. he was he was so resigned that uh yeah it's all over nah man we good. let's do. <laughs>
1: Before we talk about Jack or Admiral Picard, let's let's talk about Beverly's performance. And I have to agree with Tasha. Go and subscribe to her channel, first of all, after the snap movies and TV on YouTube. But in our discussion yesterday, the live stream we had, she made such a good point that the women kind of were the ones kind of pushing the, the action along because they were the ones solving problems. Beverly was the one getting these readings and You also had seven kind of taking charge and coming to a resolution for us. So what do we think about Beverly's performance in this episode, which admittedly wasn't a lot, but it was very important to the plot. I needed more from Beverly. I
0: needed more. I liked what we had, but I wish. So I'm going to kind of jump to the end when Riker said, all right, Beverly, everything else is on you. And I'm expecting her to do something. Well, she did. She said when the next wave
1: was coming. That's what they she did. They already
0: knew that. The way they were in the wave, they hit the wave hit them, and then he's like, "Okay, Beverly, it's everything else is up to you." I'm like, "Well, maybe she's going to control the timing because we know she's been keeping up with the timing of these waves." So I thought maybe she was going to. Anyway, I'm not saying it was bad, but I just expected more from that moment. I wish we could have got more of the process in which she learned the timing of that pulse. And I see Tasha says she had already done the work. True story. She did. She did most of the work. Uh, but I don't know why Riker just had to say do it at the end. She had already done it.
1: What do you think about this is a Star trek problem where we have these waves hitting us. We have the lights flickering a little bit. It would seem like something that's easy to conclude, to, And maybe that's just something, a benefit for the audience that we can kind of play along and know what type of solution is going to come out of this. But as far as a Trekkie problem, what did you think of the ways making impact with the Titan and that sort of being the resolution to get out of the, the the Nebula?
2: I'm a Voyager fan, so I immediately went to like one of the first few episodes of Voyager when they got stuck in a Nebula. That's what I thought of. And also to go back to John's point, I think Beverly was almost too understated in this episode. Like I would have seen more of her in action doing what what everybody said she was doing instead of saying, oh, Beverly figured this out and then watching her count some more. Of that would have been great. It was it was a lot of techno babble, suspension of belief. techno babble. I guess, kind of a typical Star Trek trap that we have to get out of. I don't know. I think I like typical. I won't I
1: won't start. I'm not saying stuff. there's
2: nothing wrong, <laughs> there's wrong with
1: typical. And we get a we got a comment here from a Facebook user. Maybe the subtext of what Riker said to Dr. Crusher was. I just hope you're right about this, which I can yeah. get. Yeah. I, I can. I can kind of get. I can get on board with that, Larry. Any additional thoughts about Beverly in this episode?
3: Yeah, they kind of pushed her to the to the back a little bit there. You know, I was used to getting a lot of Beverly being involved in everything. It's just, not that she wasn't in it, but I'm a big crush. For I always thought it's an underrated character. I really enjoyed the fact that everything wasn't all shoot 'em up and that we actually had a chance to do a Star Trek episode even while we got all the action going on we took some time to have uh space babies <laughs> that was you know that was pretty cool it's like okay we haven't forgot this is Star Trek so we're just <laughs> not going with the running gun blow everything up thing right. but I thought Beverly was uh I thought it was, you know, it was good. But like I said, I was like, Jonathan, I would have liked to see Gates get a little bit more leg room in this one. And I actually agree
1: with Tasha here saying, what would we have cut to get more Crusher? And I don't know. I mean, the episode was packed in another long episode, which I was happy about. So I don't know. I don't know. It would have been nice to see more, but I don't know what we could have shifted around and give her more time.
0: I think we could have cut the... My, I didn't know you guys were going to give me a bunch of crap for this. But well, we could have cut the Riker writing a letter to Deanna that he never really wrote. Yeah, well, it kind of booked in the end of the episode a little bit. If he would have actually wrote it, I think it would have been more meaningful.
1: Mm. Well, I think it was a underlining the, the pain that he's been in since Thaddeus died. So I think it, it was needed. But let's get into... Yet another flashback we've we've gotten in Star Trek Picard so far. Five years ago in 10 4 with the cadets, uh, we get some pretty good drops here, Larry. We get uh, we hear about the Herosion, uh we hear about various other situations that Picard has been in. Well, are you happen to hear some of this backstory of the happenings of Admiral Picard in this chat he had with the cadets as he tried to eat his haddock. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I will well, tell I you that it. my my Trek obsession is a uh, is it's a it's a disease. So <laughs> I read the books also, and I don't care what they do. Somebody will write a book about that. Somebody will write a book on the Hirogen and what happened. It'll be a whole book <laughs> just from that little bit of dialogue. I yeah, kid you not. It will. <laughs> but I I enjoy the. It's always nice when you see the young fresh faces. And they come and ask the um, the veteran, you know, mm. hey, what was it like out there? And things of that nature. Uh, I also like that Jack, you know, we do notice that Jack actually did seek him out. Yeah, so good. And, and his uh, answer was terrible, but. he didn't know it was his son come on he didn't know it was his son but I would have said you know I'd have been like look man you know Starfleet is my family
0: well I mean can you fault him though what else has he done I mean we've we've seen Picard give up he's given up personal relationships left and right for Starfleet Mm. well I said left and right like it's been a whole lot but I mean still even the few that he had like Starfleet always came first and those relationships came second So, I mean, he, he answered truthfully sucks that he was talking to his son, but I mean, that is the truth.
3: Yeah, that is, it is. And
0: and, you know, I think the next conversation we witness between the two, I think is going to come to that conversation. And I think Picard is going to say as much, you know, like, Hey, that was my life. That's what I signed up for. That's what I knew going in. That's what Beverly knew about me. Hmm. Not necessarily saying if he had done things differently, if he had had if he didn't known he had a child. But I mean, that's what he signed up for. And that's what was expected. And everybody around him expected it.
1: Yeah. And I agree with the comment we got from from Tasha. As far as the cadets are concerned, he was selling Starfleet to the kids. True. So, you know, it's it's always good to, you know, imagine in the pirate days, you hear the captain of the ship come in and tell their stories over <laughs> some beer or whatever. <laughs> or some haddock. Some haddock. <laughs>
3: You know, one thing that's always stood out for me in Star Trek, especially the TNG eras, they almost like to isolate their captains almost alone. Benjamin, you know, Cisco's the only person we got to see have a regular family life. He's got a kid and then him and Cassidy get together and he's got a family life. The rest of the captains are kind of on their little island out there, you know.
2: Well, you know, Janeway in one of the first episodes of Voyager, because I just started rewatching that, she does mention the disconnect of the captain and the crew so that way she can make her decisions that she needs to without the personal feelings coming into effect. So they almost have to isolate themselves to do their job. For me, I mean, in
3: the set of personal lives. Like, you know, Janeway did have a fiance. And they got stranded in the Delta Quadrant. So I get that. But, you know, Picard had all these, man, there was Vosh, and then there was the really cool lady who transferred off the ship. And he had quite a few romances. It's like, come on, Jean-Luc. You you know, (laughs) pick one.
0: (laughs) I don't know, though. Uh, I mean, Janeway had her interests. For a while. You know, it, it's always been Chakotay throughout the entire show. Everybody knew it, but her it seems like. Oh, that would have been a bad match.
1: Then came along seven and took Chicote away. So, you know, mm-hmm. we can't.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why she tried to give her back to One the One of the worst, worst storylines <laughs> in history. And Jerry Ryan and Robert Beltran agree with me. Really? Yes, they do. They both thought it was Belgian
2: was actually offered a chance to come back in the last season of the card to play the alternate universe Chicote and he turned it down because he thought that was really stupid.
0: Well, they only cast him for two episodes in an alternate reality. So I mean, how do you go from being second in command the entire season to two alternate reality episodes?
1: I'll just say I'm glad we have him on Prodigy. Rather than doing a cameo, because he's, you know, we've only got a little bit of on prodigy. Is that I don't know if is that a spoiler? (laughs) But, (laughs) but, he you know, I can't wait to see more of him on that show, maybe in the next season. Uh, Also, uh, just on this opening flashback, I love how it kind of bookended with talking to the cadets and then seeing Jack at the end. And also the title of the episode, No Win Scenario. Picard offers some advice here. No matter how bleak a situation is, as long as your crew remains steadfast. You are never without mm. hope. So, I mean, dropping those dimes on us. <laughs> I love mm. it. A few Facebook comments we'll pick up real quick before we move on. Agree with Jonathan. The conversation between Picard and Jack must be about how Picard accidentally pushed Jack away with Starfleet is my family. We saw Picard reliving that moment. So he knows. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. the pain of that moment, too. You know, as much as I talk about this episode being about heartbreak. <laughs> Just, just knowing you did something like that, even, even you know, unbeknownst to him at the time that there was his son, is still looking back on it. It has to be quite painful to think about.
2: But you know, and that, and I mean, y'all may disagree with me, but part of that's on Jack too because he didn't come and say, "Hey, I'm your son." What would you have done then? He just let Picard brush him off, and he just went about his business. He's he didn't a kid, try to man. say,
1: "Well, I'm not going." He's a kid. Come on now. But
2: I'm just saying he had that choice too. Okay. I mean, okay. We. we I mean, Picard was kind of in a wrong for saying that, but you know, Tasha's right. He was selling Starfleet to the kids, but that's kind of on, on him as well.
1: So we get the story of Jack and Picard. Have we ever heard that story before? And we get it after they go into the holodeck on the ship as it's about to be destroyed, which they have no power, but there's a power sale for the holodeck for times like these which this was all
0: new techno babble. I've watched a lot of Trek, and that's never been mentioned anytime else.
3: Hey, they baked this up. Hey, I'm going to tell you, that, that was, um, oh my goodness. Yeah. When you're, when you're talking about them going in the holodeck and just chilling, it's like, no, no.
0: You know, that was, what was that Voyager episode, Jeremy, where the, uh, it was another ship lost in the Delta Quadrant. The captain was like harvesting these.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So he put on that little holodeck islands to die in that. So I mean I get the point, but I mean to save just a special battery
2: set aside. <laughs> and, and it it actually was mentioned in Voyager at one point. Blonda does mention in Voyager that their power shells are incompatible with the rest of the ship. Mm,
1: as as Tasha also mentioned in our chat. So right. mm, good good mm. tidbit. And and honestly I'm glad they turned around and at least tried to explain it immediately because, you know, all of us are like,
2: hold on, what? Right. <laughs> we ain't got no power. And they, and they probably said it for people like us.
1: Yeah, I mean, we got to drop shields. We don't got no thrusters. We barely on life support. And then they're going to play around on holiday.
0: I have to kind of push back a bit. I mean, yes, it was mentioned the Voyager, but I think it was kept separate not for the reason they're saying. It was kept separate because if they have a power failure and you're on the holodeck, let's say, I don't know, a clean on is swiping at you with a bat lift or something. You don't want the safety protocols to flash you on or off. You get what I'm saying? That's what I, thought, I always thought they just kept it separate so the rest of the ship didn't affect the program as you were running it. Not which, is fair, like, which is not fair. Not to be like the last place to die. That doesn't seem very <laughs>
3: starfleet how many holodeck mishaps did we have? True.
2: Where it did affect the ship. Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness, way too many.
3: Yeah, get
0: attacked, and then all of a sudden, and it always, the first thing to go was the safety protocols. Like they get shot, and it's like, oh, the safety protocols are off. Like, really? That was the first thing?
3: I was just going to mention when you were talking about Jack, I, man, they have retconned Jack and Ricard's <laughs> relationship. So, I mean, like I said, I've read the books. That, that's not canon. That's soft canon. It's what we call a beta content, you mm-hmm. know. So if you have memory alpha. You have the other place, which is beta content, which includes books and other things. But the way it started out is that Jack knew Beverly. They talked about it on the old show. And they had a friend. And she met Jack and blah, blah, blah. I never even assumed Jack was the same age as Picard. Hmm. That he was at least a little bit younger. That's what I always thought, too. And they never mentioned them going to the Academy together that I remember. Hmm. If I'm wrong, I could be wrong.
0: I do think they mentioned that. And don't make me point out the episode. I'll do some research and we'll add it to the uh, chat or to the discord. But I do remember an episode where they discussed it and they were more alone talking along the lines of what like how he died. Mm. Do you you remember what I'm what what episode was that? Like I won't even say they did a he had a flashback about it or a holodeck episode. Yeah, was well,
1: that one episode where we see the recreation of Jack on the holiday or with Wesley?
0: Yeah, Wesley's dad when yeah. yeah. But I do remember it briefly. He and Beverly having a
1: conversation. Tosh saying it was in conspiracy. Wow, cool, cool. Mm. That may have been it.
0: And I know I remember them mentioning an accident. Now, as as far as that whole shuttle situation they were in, I just think that was pulled out of thin air. A
1: a, a few things we learn about their conversation. Jack doesn't like wine. He's he's asking about how long does he have for his hair, which, you know, understandable. So many heartfelt moments here. But He's like, you know, uh, uh, Admiral, I, I don't I don't really need this conversation. I'm good. I've lived. You no, know, I'm good. I've grown up. I'm a young man. I'm good. And then we get the revelation that Picard's like, I'm the one to need this, you know, which is uh, hit you there a little bit. <laughs> Feels.
0: And, you know, Jack needed it, too. And I think the hair thing was just a deflection to kind of lighten the mood because, you know, it was just a. It was a tense, tense. You could feel even the the audience could feel the tense situation there. So, and I think Jack is just one of those people that just jokes around everything that's difficult. So the hair thing, like I think that was Jack's way of saying, you know, I'm ready too.
1: Yeah, and we get this story in this episode of of Jack Senior or the other Jack about he and Picard in the situation they had when they were trying to run off and meet some girls. A micro meteoroid shower damaged their ship. And they were dead in order. The, the power, they were swapping the power between docking thrusters and life support. Jack navigating, Picard firing thrusters. Of course, this is going to come back and be exactly how we actually navigate to get in position to catch the wave, to get out of this nebula. Which, <laughs> some might say that's on the nose. But for me, that's one of the things I like about Trek. We have these moments in the beginning of the episode that set up kind of what the theme is going to be here. Uh, kind of how we're going to the message or the moral we're going to get out of this episode and we're going to come back to that at the end so was it on the nose a little bit maybe but I think it works especially on the end when that what's actually happens with New Jack the same exact scenario so I, I, I found that really cool and like you said Larry I don't think we've heard that
3: before <laughs> about that story before right well I want to clear one thing up I saw uh, my Trek, I'm on a Facebook group, I'm on multiple Star Trek ones, and this is the one for uh, Picard, and one person went, I I can't believe it, he's like, so that doesn't make sense, the captain and one of the officers snuck off to meet some women, okay, he was not the captain (laughs) in this scenario, okay? (laughs) Uh, and that's where that beta content comes. A lot of people don't realize Picard was already serving on the stargazer and he wasn't the first officer. He was like the second officer. And apparently the captain got killed and yada, 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 you know, the rest he took yeah. command and the rest is history. But I, I tripped when somebody said that. So the captain <laughs> and another officer <laughs> ran off to meet some women.
0: And there's probably been stories about all of our captains, <laughs> (laughs) Before they were captains, that's similar to that. It just happens. Like they, I think you get to captain by doing things that's not like bending the rules and yeah, you know, being rebellious. Like that's what it takes to command a ship when you're out there on your own. You can't run back to Starfleet all the time. You can't follow the rule book all the time. So yes, I want my captain to be a little bit of a
1: rebel. Mm, they make. No, the I'm not, best not gonna say
0: we need them chasing women all the time, but you know. Mm. Now and so to point out something that well, I guess we hadn't got to it. I think we mentioned it earlier. This whole wave riding thing has happened twice before in the next generation. I know we mentioned that earlier about them figuring this out, but why didn't Picard and Riker like say, "Oh, we've done this a couple of times"?
1: <laughs> They're old, man. They're old. <laughs> Really old age? I don't know. Let's talk about Captain Shaw coming into the 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 holodeck and laying into. Do you know about your old man? (laughs) Laying into Picard. Now from the beginning, we knew something. Something traumatic has happened to Captain Shaw, brilliantly played by Todd Stashwick, by the way. But we know something had happened to him, and this is the moment. We've had these in almost every episode. Somebody gets their moment to show out in the acting (laughs) department. Larry, what what do you think about Captain Shaw in this moment uh, telling us why he hates the Borg so
3: much? Well, he brought it. And you know what? I was here for it. I really was. And I'll tell you why. I just thought the way, number one, it was the writing was great. And the fact that this was a major thing. They're trying to drum home. This was a major thing that happened in the federation. This isn't something that you're going to be forgotten. This is something. This was a pivotal moment. So yes. yes, it is not strange that there's some people out there who still have reservations about Picard, or I love the fact he named drop Gerardi, you know, basically yeah. his new Borg, but I enjoyed that where, you know, he just basically. You felt for the guy and you actually got him. Yes. Of him yes. not being a jerk. You got him because he's saying, look, man, I was just down there as an ensign. I figured he was an ensign doing my thing. My friends and I had to decide who lived and who dies. And one of our officers just picked me. Why did they pick me? I'm mm. nobody. Why mm. did I deserve to live? And my friends deserve to die. mm." That was, man,
2: that was powerful.
1: It was. Jeremy, thoughts on the the dipshit from Chicago?
2: (laughs) (laughs) He got to do something that I'm sure a lot of us would love to do and just rail into somebody who has wronged them one way or another and just give them everything they had in them. And he wasn't wrong. Mm. Like, you know, the PTSD is a real thing. And I think he did a great job of showing that, I think, from the beginning And now that we know what it is, we, you know, like you said, we sympathize with him more. We do. It brought him, you know, brought more humanity to him than otherwise he was just an asshole. Now he's a dipshit. (laughs) (laughs) He's moved up. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) John, Survivor's Remorse, man. 11,000 dead. He's one of the 10 that was able to get off the Constance.
0: You know, I feel bad for Picard. I I get him. I get y'all. I do. I understand it. But man, He had to he had to take the same treatment from Cisco, you know, and let's just face it. Cisco is a lot more intimidating than Shaw (laughs) (laughs) and Picard has to take this the whole time. Like and I get it. I'm not saying Shaw or Cisco's feelings are misplaced because the overall in the grand scheme of things, Picard is the reason that they suffered. But I feel bad for Picard because it was not his fault. It was not his doing. And not once have you ever heard Picard, when he's been faced with someone saying that, has he brought that up and said, I was not in control. He's always sit there like his expressions almost like accepts that blame for it because he knows that nothing he can say is going to make it better for them. Right? Yeah, he has he, accepted
2: it graciously. Yes,
0: right. And uh, so I say I feel bad for Picard because and he and he has to know this is going to follow him for the rest of his life. Now, I have to take a little pat on my back because I think I called this two episodes ago. Really? Uh, Because we said it was something Shaw didn't like about Picard. And I said it's probably something to do with Wolf 359 or the Borg incident. Yeah. Because that's usually when because I was like Shaw was treating him like Cisco was treating him.
1: Yeah, and, and then refusing to call seven, seven, which we got to pay off right. for that with little LaForge as well. So, yeah, yeah, I just thought Shaw's or Todd Stashwick's performance in this moment was just excellent. And they even gave him a name. <laughs> Man, uh, like you said, Larry, the writing, the writing is so on point. And I'm going to have to agree with Tasha here that. The men did a lot of uh, emotional heavy lifting in this episode. Indeed. Mm
0: -hmm. The women did the work and the men did the emotions. (laughs) That's good. And I think it worked. It worked. It
1: did. And that's Sidney LaForge, not Little LaForge. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Tasha. (laughs) (laughs) So let's pivot that into talking about Seven. Riker does not want to reinstate her officially, but she's going around and trying to find this changeling that we found out in the last episode that is on board the ship. What do we think about Seven tracking down this changeling and eliciting the help of Captain Shaw?
0: I thought I thought it was a great idea. And what they mentioned, like, well, what Shaw mentioned, the best way to, you know, find out if someone's a changeling is to ask them a direct, simple question. Yes. Well, who else can Seven identify that would be different? You know what I mean? Like, Everybody else that she talks to is going to treat her as commander, right? Yeah, and that's going to be across the board generic treatment. So it'll be harder. But if she could go to Shaw, someone that for some whatever reason just <laughs> not a big fan of hers, yeah, you know, and he's already a upgrade from asshole dipshit. So she can expect a certain mannerism from him, yeah, that a changeling probably wouldn't know. So that would have been who. Well, I'm not going to say I wouldn't have had the brains to think that far ahead in a panic situation. But I thought that was a great idea. What worried me, though, and I'm glad they didn't go this way, is, you know, when you get into these situations, like a changeling situation, like all of a sudden everybody becomes the bad guy. Mm. And then you start assuming. So, like, for a moment there, I was like, well, what if he is? What if she is? Actually, I still think it's Riker. No, maybe. What if it's Picard? That'd be a nice change. And next thing you know, you've missed 20 minutes of the episode because you're trying to figure out who's who. Right. And they did a great job of kind of eliminating that thought process from this episode. And by her going to Shaw and going that direction, kind of, that kind of helped that.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you could have wasted a whole episode on that. And I'm, I'm right. so glad they didn't. Shaw has some pretty good points, as John just mentioned, of asking the right question. He even mentions the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Which we had cannabis mentioned in this episode, really enough.
3: Because some people say, wait a minute, man. How did you have the same pot that Odo had? And I said, oh, okay, come on. Let's... That now was a little just, bit on the nose. I'm was... just nitpicking now. You know? <laughs> but but it was, it was for the fans. It was for the fans. Exactly. Honestly. Sometimes a little, you know, fan service never hurt anyone. It's yeah. all right. You know, we know... They probably wouldn't have the same, and they don't technically need a bucket. <laughs> we know that. But you can you know, use
0: Luxon Troy's dress. We've learned exactly. that. Exactly.
3: <laughs> exactly. Or and just lay out on the floor. <laughs> I, I, You know, we all love Star Trek, but I think sometimes people just, they just want well, every single thing. <laughs> solved, and it's like, listen, he had a bucket. I'm okay with the bucket. I'm okay
0: with hey, it. Hey, maybe they'd have felt better if they had pulled out like a Home Depot bucket. <laughs> Just, maybe they'd have felt better about That's it.
1: That's not supposed to be in Star Trek. Why is that bucket in there? Listen, yeah.
0: I, well, I'm not I'm not, I'm not. not going to get too upset with them because, I mean, the thought did cross my mind as a Trekkie. Like, when they were looking, when he said a pot, in my mind, I was like, how is she going to locate this pot? It could be anything. Yeah. Right. It could be anything unless they make it look just like Odo's pot. And then I got to think, I said, well, why would it look just like Odo's pot? Nowhere was it ever mentioned that Odo got his pot from his home world.
1: Yeah. It could just be how a pot looks in Star Trek.
0: Like as far (laughs) as we know, Odo just grabbed something and called it his pot. Right. Like he didn't know he was a changeling. Right. He grew up with Cardassians. I'm sure they didn't go find him a fancy pot. They just found something in the corner that was holding a plant. I said, "Here you go," <laughs> and now we got another one here that looks exactly like it. So I get their point. I get their point. Was it bad enough for me to cause an issue? No, I can exactly. It helped but the story more than it hurt.
3: Yeah, I loved the changeling, the way they looked. I mean, ugh, they look nasty. <sighs> so, Larry, you you like the new you like the new look more than I, the old one? It was what we had because it's all we had. So you know. But I still it's just,
0: like the old one, man. This one was yeah.
3: I don't, I don't know. know. I, I like that when it melted down and it's like it it was creepy. So
1: we're talking that up to technology just being different rather than something else going on with the changelings?
3: Oh yeah, for sure. Oh maybe, maybe not. Oh, there's well. something going on. We ain't got there yet, but well, you know. On, going on.
0: on DS9 when the the uh you know, when they were had that sickness, their skin was kind of flaky. Mm. And that's kind of what this goo looks like now. It's like got flaky pieces of skin in it. It'll make it better for me. I don't know it's old technology the way we seen it last time, but it was just something I loved about seeing that. I don't know. I just like it better the whole way. Classic.
1: So part of getting out of this nebula was Shaw and Seven working together to open, open the nacelles to gather energy for the warp core, which it was cool seeing Shaw be a little engineer there at the end. And we were wondering why we got that moment of Sydney LaForge coming and talking to seven. That's the setup. It paid off. It mm-hmm. paid off, man. It did. Indeed. So speaking of changelings, let's, let's get into Vedic and the hand demon or in the words of Tasha, our friend from after the snap, she got the hand. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not just a finger, the whole way.
3: <laughs> I am completely and utterly confused by that entire thing. So
0: many questions. So many that, questions. That
3: that was like, and I saw her and she pulled out. And you know, that is the exact dagger it looks like that Shinzon had. Yep, the Shinzon's knife. Yep. So I was like, oh, something's going on here and I'm liking it. Although I, I love it when I can't figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. As long as you pay it off.
1: So a bit of meta here. And I don't know if there's going to be a spoiler of the song, but it came out of the mouth of Terry Metalis himself on Twitter. Well, not out of his mouth, but out of his mind, I guess. He just says that Vadic is a changeling outright. Vadic is a changeling and everybody on her ship is a changeling. Really? Really? Yeah, that's that's Terry Metalis's Twitter. He might be trying to throw us off the scent, but... So,
0: uh,
1: wait... I have
0: problems <laughs> if that's the case, and these might be simple problems. But okay, if they, if she's a changeling, like one hundred percent, well, it is something. Okay, we know a changeling doesn't need to cut anything off; he can just drop it off, right? Like you know, yeah. when they asked Odo for a sample, and he kind of just dropped it, and we don't know what part of him he dropped, but he dropped a part, right? Mm-hmm. So, why would you need a knife? Number one, number two. I guess it's plausible, but two separate changelings can't be one. And mm. if that's okay, if they are one, why does she have to drop it in a bowl of water and then project up? I, I, I just It's a lot of problems with that. And if you tell me she's not a changeling, then my next question is how is a changeling attached to her where she can cut it off? I would have done better not knowing she was a changeling because that adds more questions.
1: It's funny because that's the same thing Tasha said. <laughs> Tasha said. my review went from a five to, to a little bit lower after <laughs> after that was revealed.
2: Are they conjoined changelings? Because why would she need to cut off the face from her hand if they were both changelings? So I mean, that that's just not making sense to me. The projection, like, was that a projection or is that actually is that like not the whole change? We just get the face, do we not get the whole changeling? Like, I'm um, because that's just I need more answers than they're giving right now. I
1: mean, it definitely seems like it's a way to communicate. Now, I've never known an instance of changelings separating, you know, a bit of me over here, a bit of me over there. Well, I've seen know. that a few times. So we've seen one separate before. Yes. OK, en- enlighten me.
0: Uh, well, like I said, you had Odo drop a piece of himself in a jar for Dr. Bashir to do some testing. We have seen a changeling, and I guess you can call this separating, but we have seen changelings become cloud which is not necessarily all one thing, but I mean, if you can become cloud and you can become fire, I would assume you could become separate. Mm-hmm. What else have we seen? The uh, So you remember when the guest, what was his name? Remember the other changeling they found that came to DS9 as an adult and he was given over all kind of, anyway, he became two like big ostrich thingies, mm. like two or three of them. Anyway, he, he was, he was like those things for a while. So, I mean, I've seen it happen. I just don't know. I don't know if it was th- to that extent. Like, I didn't know two changelings could exist together and then separate. Mm. You get what I'm saying? It's two separate Ooh. changelings, even though yeah. changelings are really, they've already said, they're not really separate individuals. They're all part of one thing that can separate. I'm confused.
1: So so here's the sweet the right here. <laughs> Somebody named Michael Jones wrote, so is Vedic actually a changeling or does she just have a prosthetic hand made of changeling, changeling goo? Because Odo didn't need a knife to detach. And there's more writing here that we don't see. But he replies, Vedic and her gang are changelings. She does not have a special hand. So who knows what that means? But that's what we're Why got. the
2: knife? <laughs> so did he mean to like just flat out tell us that? Or was that supposed to be a surprise? Because I'm just this whole thing is just... I'm befuddled. He was drunk tweeting. <laughs> it had to have been. It <laughs> happens. Or maybe he had the pot.
3: I'm going to need Terry to stop dropping stuff. <laughs> Terry's dropping dives in his yeah, streets. It would have been better for me not to know. I mean, if they're changing, number one, why are they wearing the, the hoods? and the Right. I mean, we're Star Trek fans. That's what we do. All will be we revealed. Asked. Let's hold tight. All will be revealed. You know? I know, and <laughs> You know, it's not like we ever want to wait. So, yeah. And why the water <laughs> and the bowl? And it told her to
1: to go into this nebula at all costs, even if it means getting destroyed. So they drop the portal weapon and they head into the nebula. Somebody's really hell bent on getting Jack.
0: And it's obviously another changeling.
3: No, there's just so much going on. Yeah. And I love it. And I'm in trees. I want to know. I want to know what's going on here. And I pray they explain it. Good. Don't don't build me up and then leave me flat here.
1: So far, so far, they've done a, a bang-up job. As I have confidence that he'll stick the landing.
0: Mm. So I had to comment. So uh, our friend Tasha just said he basically told her to kill herself against another changeling. And we all know if you're DS9 fans, like the golden rule of changelings was... No changeling has ever harmed another, which Mm. we have Odo accidentally killed one by pushing him into the warp reactor. But I mean, no changeling has purposely hurt another. That's Mm. their golden rule. So if this floating projected skull is a
3: changeling, or maybe it's not. And they punished Odo because then they made him a solid. Right. Because of his transgression against their kind.
1: Riker throws an asteroid. Amazing. He gets Vedic back. (laughs) That was freaking awesome. They get out, we see jelly babies, you know, just that climactic finish that we we've been waiting for. We knew he was gonna get. So <laughs> where
0: did you come up with jelly babies?
1: <laughs> Maybe it's a doctor who would they be speak.
3: saying that.
0: <laughs> oh god. I was not expecting you to say jelly babies. <laughs>
1: this was little
3: jellyfish. Clarence got the streams mixed up. That's it. That <laughs> That's what that it was is. For discussing who.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> It was a little
0: jellyfish baby things. <laughs> I like it, oh. jelly babies. We'll go with it.
3: Hey, I am not ashamed. They were cute. <laughs> they they just were.
1: They were. They were a beautiful moment at the end.
3: It was cool seeing uh, Picard
1: take the con and you know pitch up and pitch do you know let's navigate out of here. And he did a, a bang up job there. Freaking awesome, awesome scene. And you know we're always happy when our ragtag crew gets out of these. These situations. So good stuff. Let's get into Jack's vision. The door opens a little bit more and we see stuff, exp- well, not explode, but there's like a storm or something on some planet. And we see the vines again in the background. And we know they want Jack. We know they really want Jack. So do we have any inkling
3: on what's going on with Jack Crusher here? I do. This is half a joke, half not. They want him because it's Wesley's brother. You know how Wesley is special? mm maybe Jack is special too. Maybe it comes from the Howard side. Oh. Not the, Cr- the Picard side. So mm. everybody's talking about Picard and Crush. Mm. Maybe the Howard side. You know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe he's special just like Wesley. Yeah. Maybe, you know? Mm. You know. Interesting. Maybe, maybe and that Wesley would tie in.
0: Shana? That would tie in. Cause I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago. I hate that they I wish they would pick up from the Wesley scene in the last season and kind of carry that out some more, because otherwise it was a waste of scene
3: in the last yeah. season. Don't don't play with me. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how much I want that yeah. so badly.
0: Like it, it's, it was a waste of scene for for Wesley Crusher. Like, I, I think he's going to be here again. And that might be just the perfect way to do it.
2: I don't know. I think I think they just kind of booked him perfectly, just let him he, – he took Corey with him and let them do what they're going to do, let them be the travelers.
0: Oh, it's going to be a showdown. They're going to get Jack. He's. They're going to make him a, cha- a traveler, and it's going to be a Wesley-Jack showdown.
1: He even mentioned going on set, and he didn't even know that Beverly would have another son this season. Uh, he mentioned that on the radio room. So I, I don't think we'll see Wesley this season, maybe in a cameo at the end or something, but <laughs> – I'm kind of doubtful that we
3: will. But but what is going on? I you know, I'm gonna be straight up honest. I have no clue.
1: I mean I'm thinking of the admonition in the first season with the with the Romulans a little bit, world ending. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but not really. But why
0: the Vines? Or was or is the Vines blood vessels?
1: Maybe. And I really think it has it is gonna boil down to Jack's DNA for some reason. We know Picard is a synth, with which
3: Vatic did say when she first saw him on screen what's the name Mince it to say so I hear he's more positronic. Jack actually knows it too.
0: Mm. I mean, technically Jack is the last Picard. Yeah. By blood.
1: So that's the call to action. we're going to put out there for everybody listening. What do you think is going on with Jack Crusher? If you have thoughts, ideas, you can send that into our email fans at discussing com, or as always hit us up in the chat here or at discussing Trek on all social medias. Let's go ahead and get ratings for the episode I love this episode. I'm going to give it a 4.9. Fellas, what do we think? John, what do you think about this episode, man?
0: I have to say five, man. Mm. This mm. is very good. I like the humor in it. I like the fact that, like we said up front, you know, the women did the work and the men did the emotional lifting, which I didn't kind of pick up on that till we got to talking about it. And I like the fact that, as Jeremy said at the beginning, we didn't have to worry about the other side of the story with the wharf. And, yes. And the fact that this was so good, we didn't even think about it. I never once questioned it.
1: Me
3: neither.
0: That tells me this was a great episode.
3: Larry, what do you think, man? I am going to give this one uh, a 4.8. The only thing that took me out of, like I said, I would have liked, more Crusher, more more Beverly, you know. But that um, just her to be involved more, not just what they gave her to do. That's just me. But overall, this man, this was so Star Trek. It was I yes. mean, was it not? Yes. I mean, you have not only the action, but you say, "Hey, we're taking time out to have space babies." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just I love that that they decide just had to say, hey, we haven't forgot what Star Trek is about a new life and exploring. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yes. I just thought it was a great episode.
0: Oh, and Riker's last line, she's like, just search out new life. And he said, and to boldly get the hell out of here. <laughs> he did. <laughs> that was he good. did. That was good. But yeah, and I also want to agree that I, I like you said it. Spot on, Larry. It's it was a great trick episode that we look for. We've been saying about Strange New Worlds. There was yeah. a problem. We found a good trick scientific solution to the problem. We didn't add any extra overburdening story to it to the problem. We solved the problem. We got out. There's a bow on the end. Of course, we know something else is going to happen. But like. You gave me something to worry about. You gave me some hope on a solution, and you showed me the solution. Great episode.
1: Yeah, and it gave you that warm, fuzzy feeling at the end of the episode yes. that we love from Star Trek. Jeremy, Jeremy, how do you rate this one, sir?
2: So I agree with everything everyone just said. But just now knowing that Vedic and the, her crew are changelings, that just kind of <laughs> walked it back a little bit for me. I want to give it a 4.7, because it was still a great episode. And I still actually enjoyed that scene, but now... I'm just, that's got the wheels of turning and, and I've, got to, I've, I've got to rectify that somehow.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to give them some time to pay it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a patient man. Thanks to everyone for joining. Of course, as I mentioned before, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or fans at com. You can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. What do you have for us this week, sir?
0: All right. So we're talking changelings today. Changeling, shapeshifters, founders, whatever you choose to call them. So we noticed uh, the highlight of Seven was looking for the pot you know, for, <laughs> for them to go in. And we know that uh, Captain Shaw mentioned that they could only hold their form for so long before they had to go into this pot, which they have to regenerate to continue mm-hmm. holding their form. So the trick trivia question is, how long can a Changeling shapeshifter founder hold their shape for? Continuous. Mm. Before they need to use the pot.
1: Does anybody on the panel know?
3: That's so bad because I know this and I can. <laughs>
2: I have a guess. I think I, I think it's right, but I want to say it's like nineteen hours. We have
1: nineteen from Jeremy. We have sixteen from Tasha in the chat.
3: I know it's more than twelve because Odo's been doing crap all day. <laughs> 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 Unless he just puddles and then comes back, you
0: know. he does like the the Picard maneuver. He just puddles for a little while and pushes on. Puddle a little while, pushes on. <laughs> just a cat nap. Just a cat nap. Yeah. Somebody guessed right.
1: Let's get the answer this week because we have this panel. We have people in the chat. Uh-huh. Hopefully, anybody listening can join us live as we do these every Monday at eight o'clock Central Standard Time. So let's hear it. So what is the answer to the question?
0: Jeremy said, "What did you say, Jeremy?" Nineteen. Yes, nineteen. Tasha says sixteen, Clarence, what's your guess?
3: I have no idea. Twenty.
0: Larry? Twenty? Larry?
3: Yeah, I I said twenty.
0: Twenty. All right. Drum roll. <laughs> Tasha, you are exactly correct. Oh, sixteen I knew hours. She would be right. Good job, Tasha. <laughs> and by my count, as far as I can remember, it was mentioned three times throughout
3: DS9. So even though we know for a fact that they're they're counting that off screen. Because, you know, Odo was, <laughs> what about time they had that emergency? Odo didn't have time to go nowhere and puddle real quick. <laughs> Did he get stuck on the elevator?
1: With That's when he got on the Xana's? L'Xana Troy. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, you know, it's the time when, uh, what's the Taylor? Garrick. Garrick. There you go. Garrick it, Garrick it took Odo to meet his mentor, and they were on the way to, to the minion to destroy him. And they kind of locked Odo in, and he had this device that keeps him from shifting back. And we know he went well past 16 hours, but he looked a lot like the goo we have now for
1: changelings. (laughs) And that's going to be it, guys. Once again, thanks for everybody on the panel for joining. I really had fun with this. Thanks to everybody in the chat for making this such a fun conversation. So again, we'll be back here next Monday at the same bat time, eight Central Standard Time. So until next time, live long and prosper.
2: You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.
3: Can I say that like shut up, Wesley? I can just go shut up, Clarence?